you knew, but you have no... You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Wole, Ray Jeezy, and Will T. What's going on, fellas? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. Nothing much with me, man. I'm good, man. Ray, what's going, what's going on with you? It's always 100% over here. I mean, I'd be right 100% of the time, but <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm on that 100. I, I'm going to keep it a buck today. Yo, so good luck. I'm, I'm about to get I'm about to get at you. <laughs> wow. Like, you better be ready. My man motivated, dude. He motivated. All right. I feel you, bro. Motivated, you. motivated, Kaz. Motivated, motivated Kaz. Kaz. Okay, Kaz. You got it, Kaz. Hey, man. R.I.P. Vincent Jackson. I heard the news. I was like, dang, bro. That was like a fantasy football legend. Yeah, I was um I was kind of, I was taken back by that one. That was uh that was real sudden. Mm-hmm. You know, my condolences to his family and uh his friends and loved ones. That one took me uh, I was really took me by surprise. I was shocked. Just goes to show you, man, life is short. Yeah. At the age of 38, so short, man. For real, so short. Uh, yeah, the circumstances is what concerns me because according to what I read, no signs of foul play and even mm-hmm. a hotel when of course he has a wife and children, so that speaks that's it to me, I should say, that that could be possible brain damage or he just wasn't making good decisions. Now we don't know enough yet, but I'm just yeah. saying I get concerned about ex athletes, especially boxers and football players because of the potential head trauma they experienced over the course of their career. So I'm hoping that's not the case, but it looks like it might be. But we'll see. I mean, nonetheless, he lost his life and, you know, condolences to his family. Real talk when I say that. Like I said, keep it on because I'm not the thoughts and prayers guy because that's not real. No. But um, it's it's unfortunate. So no, it is like I was like you, right? I'm, I was like you when I, you know, yeah. when you hear that in a in a hotel room, you're like, like, right. it's like you can you get kind of concerned about what happened, you know, mentally, you know, what I'm saying like he played football, you don't know if CTE played a part to of it, you just don't know, like you don't know what happened in that situation. So I mean, they're still doing an investigation. We don't know what happened, but I, I'm like you when I heard the news, I was like. Like I hope it wasn't a football, like a football brain in injury, like CTE, that caused that. You know what I mean? So sure, you know sure. So it is what it is. But like everybody, prayers, prayers to him, to his family, and and you know, family and friends. Because again, like I didn't, I don't know the individual, but he's loved by many. I'm sure of that. Um, make sure you check us out on uh, sportsjourney.com. You'll find all kinds of sport content, especially for your DMV sports teams. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Tune in iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. Uh, just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. And hit. you can also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into the good old tradition. <laughs> for pregame. I love it. Here's what we have on tap. Uh, we'll talk about the Washington football team signing Taylor Heineke to a two-year to a two-year deal at 8:20. We'll talk about the Washington Wizards defeating John Wall and the Houston Rockets 131 to 119. Finally, um, as part of our DMV Baller series, we'll air our interview with DMV Hooper Hooper out of Montrose Christian Tyler Hubbard. Uh, but first, uh, Ty, uh, Taylor. The Washington, excuse me, the Washington football team quarterback Taylor Heineke resigns with the team. He signed a two-year deal worth eight million, about eight point seventy-five million dollars. Uh, where were your thoughts on the initial deal? I'll start with you, Ray. Again, again, I say 
they feel like he deserved a shot. Regardless of how many games he played, I kind of make fun of him often. Like, all you need is one game. <laughs> the Nas remix, all you need is one game. But at the same time, I felt as though that performance against the eventual Super Bowl champion earned him an opportunity to compete for the starting job. So kudos to him. Also, he got a good amount of, of guaranteed money in that deal, which is awesome for him because, you know, NFL contracts are the wackest out of all professional sports. Yeah. So shout-out to Taylor Heineke. We'll see how he does. And I guess I'll save my analysis as to what I expect from him on your <laughs> on your next question. I see you, man. <laughs> um, I think, all, first of all, congratulations to him. Um, he, as Ray stated, he deserves the opportunity to uh, at least have a chance to try out and potentially make this roster and potentially become the starter. Having said all the nice that all of the, all of the nice things, um, NFL teams let you know what they think of a player by the contract they sign that player to. The money that the Washington Football Team gave um, to Taylor Heineke lets me know that they don't think this guy's a starter. Mm-hmm. They don't think he's a long-term answer. They think he's a guy that can potentially compete and be a uh, uh, fill the gap until they find their potential until Ron Rivera finds his quarterback of the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with both. I feel like in the situation, I mean, one, like we all, like you two have stated, uh, congratulations to Taylor Heineke for getting this opportunity. Um, you, it was promised to him by Coach Rivera that he'll compete for the job. Uh, but because of the contract, like Will said, and what he was given, I mean, it's two years for $8.75 million. And in today's NFL, where you overpay every quarterback in the book, I mean, that contract for, for what he did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and even in, in a light, in, like like Ray has stated before, in a limited body of work, still we've seen quarterbacks uh, being able to kind of still foster a, a nice chunk of money, even in even in short term work. So to Will's point, let you think, let you know about what uh, this Washington football team thinks of him as becoming a, a possible starter. Um, he's getting the opportunity. He'll, he'll get he'll get the opportunity to to compete for the job if, you know, if Ron Rivera is coach, Ron Rivera is keeping it 100. Uh, but to me, this, this deal states that they're still looking for a quarterback. I mean, that doesn't change my mind. A starting quarterback doesn't change my mind at all. Yeah. I, I don't think that this guy's the long-term answer. He's a bridge. Um, Depending on what the, the organization decides to do with Alex Smith, I think that they do feel comfortable having him compete potentially with Kyle Allen to start next year. Kyle Allen? Yeah, I think he got kind of Kyle Allen done, bro. But go ahead. <laughs> I think so. What are you talking about, Will? Will, where you, where you been, bro? <laughs> now he could be. Will, to a point. I mean, I it's an opportunity. He could come back, but I just don't – I don't see it. No, Folks have been talking to Kyle Allen. I mean, look. Look, um, Alex Smith came back. You know, well, possible. it's not out the realm of possibility, but I feel as though Washington definitely is going to sign a free agent quarterback. We just don't know what you want at this point. And based on all the moves they've made to this point and based on the history of Ron Rivera and those making decisions, they're probably not going to spend a lot. So mm-hmm. we're going to be looking at the possibility of a guy like Marcus Mariota. I would even go as far as Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> possibly here in Washington. We'll see. But – He's going to compete. We know that. What's dope about 
Taylor Heineke is. And I will admit, I never watched the Old Dominion college football game. Old Dominion basketball, both men's and women's, yes, definitely. But who watches the Old Dominion college football? So I can't sit here and act as though I've really watched him. But based on what I've read in terms of his scouting report, one thing that Taylor, Taylor Heineke does well is read defenses. Mm-hmm. And not Griffin, not Cousins. And certainly not Dwayne Haskins' red defense. <laughs> so you have a quarterback that brings that skill set. That would be a nice change here in Washington. Alex Smith, obviously, he was the former number overall pick. He's been successful in every stop of his career. But in terms of a young quarterback, that's something that we haven't seen around here. So that would be dope. Also, he has ability to uh, extend plays. My concern about him is his height. Six one. Not many guys that height succeed outside of, of course, the the Breeze and the Russell Wilson of the world. Mm-hmm. And going back to our childhood, Doug Flutie, baby. But uh, this, this dude is hungry, and that's something that you cannot necessarily compete against if you're just a talented guy who feels as though you're entitled. So I'm expecting him to, to work hard, and depending on injuries, COVID, you never know what may happen. He'll get an opportunity on his football team. I think if he gets an opportunity, again, if he is the starter on his football team, it's all predicated on – what do you bring around him? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want him to be successful, you got to make it quite – you got to make it easy for him to be successful, M- meaning that you got to you gotta bring in – you got to have a strong running game, whatever that – however you co- constitute that or if you keep the same guys from last season or, you you know, you change mm. the game plan, you bring somebody in, you got to have a strong running game. You got to bring another wide receiver to help him out because at the end of the day, we can – you know, like we, we, we've mentioned this before in prior shows that the league is smart. So, you know what I mean? They're going to take whatever yep. you do best and take it away from you. So now it's your job as an organization, it's your job as a coaching staff to make it easy for the quarterback so he doesn't have to overthink so certain things. Because because we all know talent run this league, and you give this dude a bunch of talent, then it's going to be easier for him to adjust to whatever defenses do. So I got a question for you guys. Is this a make-or-break year for Scott Turner, or you think that that's like – Mm. Ron Rivera's day one. <laughs> That's day one, bro. <laughs> he, he, oh, he, oh, he owes it. He so owes he it. Ride with him. Yeah, yo, he owes it to North, bro. That's it, that's a nepotism move. I mean, not to be mean about it, but it is what it is. Like, as as you're, you know, you're comfortable around people that you know or you know of. You know what I'm saying? And North did a lot for Scott, Ron Rivera when he was coming up in the game as a coach. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to do the same thing for Scott for Scott Turner. I don't I don't see him having a short lease for Scott Turner at all. Will you think he's be loyal to a fault? Uh, you can, you definitely can. Will you think he's going? You think he's down with Scott Turner like that? You think Scott Turner is an individual that he would get rid of? You know, at, at the quick at the quickest sign of a struggling offense. I know. Uh, I was asking you. I don't. I don't think so. But I'm thinking that he could make the mistake that Pete Carroll made with Brad Schottenheimer. I agree. I think he will. I think he will. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Will? No. Um. I'm. Lost my train of thought. I I I I think that um he'll he'll give him opportunity to grow as an offensive coordinator, but I do believe that if Ron Rivera feels that from an offensive standpoint he has the pieces necessary for his offense to be uh, an explosive or to be to to be an offense in his vision and his mind. That they that he believes they can be and they aren't reaching their potential. I do think that he would get rid of Scott Turner. I'm not going to say he's going to get rid of Scott Turner this year. This would only be his second year as offensive coordinator. But I do think if Scott Turner doesn't come in and run the style of offense that 
Ron Rivera is comfortable with, I do think that you would see a change. Mm. Yeah, down the line, it's possible, definitely possible. So let's go. Let's let's go to let's go back to Heineke. If he is the starting quarterback, Ray, is it a good look or a bad look? And tell me why. I think it's a good look because you're a new coach, a new regime. You're getting a fresh start. You're not going after a big name, somebody that you have started to develop, somebody who you've seen glimpses of that can have success in this league against the the top teams. And again, he competed at a high level against the Super Bowl champions. So I think it's a good look for Ron Rivera, and I also think it's a good look for the running game where you have a mobile quarterback. So I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with it, but I'm thinking that NFL defense, as you said earlier, will study the brother, Mm -hmm. and it will be more challenging, but that's where he'll have to grow, and that's where the coaching staff comes in. That's where Scott Turner comes in. So I think overall it's a good look. Just your offensive coordinator is the one that's in question for me. Mm -hmm. Will T, you think it's a good look or bad look? Uh, I want to go with I don't know. Okay. Um, look, Taylor Heineke, he played one game. He played uh, decently against the eventual Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that great defense. But um, as Ray, you know, Ray made this point, you know, NFL defenses and NFL uh, defensive staffs, they do tend to uh, – Make adjustments. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. as you get more tape on Ty- Taylor Heineke, mm-hmm. you know, does he progress as a passer? Is he able to make the reads? Is he able to make those throws in the tight windows? Is he able to uh, push the ball down the field accurately? You know, those are things you want to see. And I just don't believe we've seen enough of him on the field to know these things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the coaching staff feels comfortable with him um, for what they, you know, from what they've seen from him in practice. But for me, as someone who's not at practice, I just don't know. I posted the same questions on our social media platforms. Uh, this was uh, also po- this was posted on our, on our Urban Sports Team Twitter and Urban Sports Team Facebook page. Um, and at, on Twitter, at Spinoff Beats tweeted, we are likely going into the season with Heineke, Allen, and Montez. This, that's the rookie from last last season mm. uh, from Colorado and, and a draft pick. I would not expect the draft, uh, the draft pick to start immediately, so Heineke is the current favorite whether people like it or not. I don't think Heineke's starting, but I don't think they're going to go that route. Um, but, you know, mm. I think a lot well, of – go, go ahead. So here, go ahead, Will. So here's the thing. You know, I think one thing that we haven't addressed um, and maybe you guys addressed it when I wasn't, you know, when I took my hiatus mm-hmm. from the show. But Washington offered their first-round pick for Matt Stafford. Uh, Matthew Stafford, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if there's another opportunity for them to get a starter who they believe is the upper echelon or top half of the league starter, this team has shown that they will offer that first-round pick if a team is willing to accept that as, um, capital for that for said player. Yeah, that's something we haven't addressed. So there's so there's the opportunity for them to acquire a quarterback um, via trade. You know, whether it's just their first round pick or if it's the first round pick and additional compensation. No, it definitely. So I wouldn't get too yeah. comfortable necessarily with 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 the. I wouldn't fall in love with the the thought of Taylor Heineke being. You're a starting quarterback. No, I I agree. I think I agree. Um, We we discussed it before too. Um, Like so, we have discussed it, and we talked about how this team um, has been searching to find their quarterback, and they're willing to draft. They're willing to trade their first round pick. So let you know. 
to be honest with you. If, the, if a guy is, is available um, that they do want, um, they're willing to make offers for it. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's why the whole the contract, the Taylor Heineke contract of $8 million for two years or $8.75 million for two years lets you know to me that, all right, they're just banking and keeping just in case. But it's not it's not a high – it's not – so we're talking about probability on, on the gambling side, but like the, the chances are quite low for this dude to become the starting quarterback, in my opinion. But again, it's a, he's a guy that has worked hard enough to get an opportunity to compete. If 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 the chips fall where they may, and you bring in guys for him to compete against, but I I, t- I totally believe that this team is going to get their quarterback in a trade or in free agency. That's just my opinion. Um, on Twitter, uh, JB Raj tweeted, uh, "If you exhaust all other options and fit." The fit the price isn't the fitting me, the the price isn't right. Then I stick with him over Fitzpatrick, Taylor's of the Taylor's of the league, and quite frankly, Alex Smith too. He shouldn't he should he should not be named anything now though. They need to try to find to they need to try to try for better. They need to try to they try for better. That's what he uh, tweeted. Um, I agree that the same thing Will pretty much said that like you're looking for something better you rather you can trade your first round pick trade for a first round pick if they're going to do go that route or find a free agent quarterback um that has been established or a guy that you are you're that this organization I mean this coaching staff offensively is comfortable uh for them for them to for him this for the quarterback to lead them uh to some to some kind of success whatever that may be whatever they want to measure success to as um they got to find a quarterback that they're confident that can lead them to either whatever their goal is is to be. Anything else before I go to break, fellas? That's the key. Whatever <laughs> the goal is to be, and what is and what is that? That's the question. Are they competing for a playoff spot only? Are they thinking championship next season? Are they thinking just about the division? That yeah. is yet to be seen. But based on what Coach Rivera did, he pivoted this year and he went for it, and they made the playoffs. So I'm thinking the expectations will be raised next year. But as Will and I have stated in yeah. past shows, sustained mm-hmm. success is important. Sustained and success. I don't think that equals championship aspirations just yet. Yeah. Although, of course, every goal is to win a two. Every every team's goal is to win a Super Bowl each season. Yeah, definitely. Good. <laughs> kind of, kind of, sort of. All right, John Wall came back to D.C., but Bradley Bill gave him a gave him an L. We'll talk about the Washington Wizards defeating the Houston Rockets last night after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene. For ages. Yeah, dig. Deuces. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, myself, Wole. 
and John Walsh returned to D.C., the Washington Wizards, this time defeated the Houston Rockets 131-119. to Right? I mean, Will, what's your thoughts, thoughts on the game? Uh, Davis Bertan showed up. Barton showed up. Um, that and along with uh, Houston, I, I don't know. This is one I'm not going to say I struggle with it, but I see the pieces that Houston has when healthy with you know Christian Wood. Yeah, I got yeah. Boogie Cousins, well, Victor can we, Oladipo. Can we talk about Boogie uh, though? You, Boogie looked done though. I'm gonna let you go. Boogie don't. Uh, that's a whole. And I love Boogie, but I, uh, that injury. Uh, yeah, so bad well, for so, him, bro. That hurts my his injury hurts my soul. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, it does. But I think luckily for him, if he starts to watch old not old tape, but if he watches tape of Zach Randolph, mm-hmm. I think it would it'll do wonders for him for the rest of his career. Yeah. Because essentially that's that's what Boogie Cousins is gonna have to turn into Facts. Facts. to be able to sustain his career is be like Zach Randolph. Mm-hmm. You know, just playing on the block. Using his strength, using his, uh, low, his you know, his uh, lower body strength, mm-hmm. and being a, a rugged, back to the basket kind of uh, traditional four or five. No, I'm with. I mean, he still had if you if yeah, it, it, like offense, offensive talent. He still is one of the more offensively talented big men in the league, you know. But it, he just lost all. What little explosiveness exactly, he had, he exactly had in that, this game. Exactly. Uh, but um, my ahead, uh, biggest takeaway: Davis Bert, Davis Berton showed up. Um, the team looked as if um, <laughs> they they what? I said finally he showed up. Go ahead, bro. You good? Yeah. Um, the the team, you know, when when they were down, you know, they put together um, some, a, a good stretch of defense. Mm-hmm against um, Houston Rockets team. And one thing that I, I still, I'm not going to say, I, I'm not going to say that they, well, yeah, for lack of a better word, they struggled with is early in the first half, John Wall kind of took liberties with driving, getting to the bucket, which is something that you don't want to see this team doing, you know, consistently letting those uh, fast and shifty point guards get to the bucket. And, you know, get into the paint at least and create opportunities for themselves around the basket or uh, a drive and kick three for their teammates. So, if right. you ask me to grade their performance, yeah, I would say a C plus. C plus? Okay. C plus. Right. What were your, yep. your, your thoughts on the game? I want to give a shout out to my man, Will, because Will is the only person that I knew. Yeah. That was really high on the Christian Wood trade. I remember Will when yeah, the yeah, trade first talk. happened. Talk. You, you you texted us and said, "Man, the Rockets got to upgrade with this dude he Wood. Did, That's though. gonna make a big difference." He did. And, and Wally was like, "Who?" Uh, I was like, "Who?" That good? That yeah, was I was serious. <laughs> I was. This was real talk. That's and, right. Yeah. And now we're seeing the Rockets struggle without him. Actually, we had a show Will that you weren't on, and I told Wally because Wally was asking, "Can Oladipo and Wall be the best tandem in the league?" And I said. Really, that team needs to be built around Wood. And, and Wally was like, ah, oh, because, you know, he's a guy that he needs everybody and he benefits from the, the support of the team, whatever. And I'm not saying you were wrong and I was right. I'm just saying that there, this stretch of basketball is showing that they need that brother on the court, yeah, bottom line. Do. You know what I mean? No they matter do. if he's the focal point or not. They do. So, anyway, 
Not having him was uh, uh, obviously the biggest issue for the Rockets last night, in my opinion. And, and they had a number of injuries. But I'm not going to sit here and apologize that the Wizards won because when the Wizards played the Rockets last time, they were fresh off COVID and had nobody as well. But my thoughts are that even though the Wizards won this game, their flaws are still, I just think, ever so glaring. And Raul Neto is just too small, bro. John Wall was walking to the basket. I mean, and then – and. Uh, not just John Wall. It feel like the, the Wizards, they, they, they struggle to protect the rim. And that's a problem because of their size and, of course, their defensive play. And that's the, that's the issue. So either Scott Brooks is going to have to go or they're going to have to make some personnel changes. I would even like to see Cassius Winston get some, some burn because even though he's not the tallest, he's thicker. And I feel as though he's tougher. This man eliminated Duke when Duke had basically the top three players in the nation uh, led by Zion Williamson. So I, I'm I'm thinking that... So something has to give. But the one thing I will say I like about Brooks and his show in this game is he's finding a tighter rotation. Yeah. Troy Brown is not playing no more, bro. He's not, he's not getting he's not, any not burn. Because, and, and Mo Bogner is. And that's what I like about what Scott Brooks is doing. He's finding a tighter rotation. That's going to help you in this West Coast trip. And it helped you in that game last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at that game and – one, John Wall didn't play that and good. Too. Yeah, John Wall didn't play that good. And Houston, to uh-huh. me, is very – and to, to, to Ray's point and Will's point, um, to Houston's very limited offensively, especially off the bench. They have no real offensive weapons. Um, defensively, they play decent defense, but they're just so limited. And I know they didn't have, like, Eric Gordon and company. You know, they you know they were kind of short. They probably they were, they were kind of, I think, short-manned on, for yesterday's game. But at the same time, like, they're not – if you watch them over the some games without Chris, without Wood, um, you could tell, like, this team needs all the weapons that they can have. And then losing Oladipo, too, doesn't make it, doesn't make it easy. So this, that team is limited offensively. Uh, but then you look at to the point where – look at the Wizards' standpoint in that game. I just think, to me, the last two games, looking at the, the Wizards played – the Wizards playing defense, it's been much better than we've seen in the, over the last some odd games. And, Will, and Ray, you know what? I am very negative on Scott Brooks, but I like to give credit when credit is due. The adjustment of changing his rotation in his lineup over the last two games has really worked for him, you know what I mean, and worked for this team um, because they got guys who are gritty, you know what I'm saying. Regardless of, like, the shortcomings, people would like to call out on Mo, on Mo Wagner or Matthews. These are dudes that scrap. And they don't have enough dudes on the team that scrap on defense. They'll scrap to do whatever. They may not be solid. Well, I think Matthews is solid defensively, but like Mo Wagner may not be solid defensively, but he's trying and he's trying hard to play defense. And there are guys on that team that don't. Davis Bertans just wants to shoot threes all day. Like he's not trying to strap nobody up. Troy Brown is still trying to figure out if he belongs in the league. He's still worried about playing ball rather than just playing ball. So they got guys now that in that rotation that, that are now are just balling. They working hard. And I'm with you. I would like to see Cassis uh, Winston play a little bit more, but it is what it is in terms of still, you, you know, Westbrook's, Westbrook's burn. They like they like Nito. What's his name? Neto? What is it? Neto? That's how you say his name? Neto? Neto. Raw like, Neto, yeah. yeah. They like Neto because he can shoot a little. I mean, he can shoot. I'm not going to take that away from him. Exactly. Um, That's so, the problem. Yeah. So, he again, but because, you, you know, Scott Brooks values offense, but I'm glad that he's valuing dudes who scrap because in – if to win basketball games, everybody can't score. You know, you shouldn't be worried about everybody scoring, dropping buckets. You gotta have dudes to play roles. You gotta have dudes that are like the Robin Lopez's, who are are like the Mo Wagner's, or like the um, I just mentioned his name um, uh, who's uh, uh Matthews, or even Bonga, dudes who play a role who just scrap. You need you need to incorporate dudes like that for you to win basketball games. Shoot, the Oklahoma City Thunder, man, Robeson couldn't score worth a lick, but they put him on there because they, they knew he played defense and he scrapped. 
they needed that type of player on there on the floor to help him out. And he couldn't score to save his life, but he did. A, he had a particular role to help them get to the get to the um get to the to the NBA Finals or whatnot. So I just think that it's all about finding dudes that you know you gotta have play dudes who are willing to do whatever it takes. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of scoring the basketball, do whatever it takes to help you win basketball games. And I think by incorporating these individuals in the ball on the floor, it makes it easier for them to do that. Uh, but to John Wall. John Wall come back to D.C. Is it really a comeback for John Wall to the city? And there's nobody, there's no crowds in attendance. I'll start with you, Will T. No, no, no. Um, it's not. It, it. Look, the biggest thing that we have learned since March of last year is, with, with, with regards to sports, as much as people want to say that the fans don't play any role in the game, they definitely play a role in the game. You definitely yeah. notice the energy of certain players when um, when they're fans in the arena. Um, from that perspective, but on the court, no, they don't play. They don't play any factor into determining the um, the game. But they do play. They do give a a spiritual advantage to certain to certain players. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's it's not it's not a comeback. Now, when he does come back. Next year, um, it'll be great to to get, for him to get the applause that he deserves. Ray, thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. Perfect segue for me because now I'm about to go against everybody, including Chris Miller. My gosh, Chris Miller, I'm a fan, bro. I met you. <laughs> you know, you cool, but yo, John Wall plays for Houston now. My gosh, anyway, <laughs> to get to my point. No, because Chris Miller was advocating for a tribute. But after, like, just look at what Will T said about the fans. The tribute should not have been played until we had fans I back agree. in the I agree. I think so. I agree, tribute bro. during a timeout bro, with agree. no freaking fans. Yeah. Like, what was that? Bro, I, was I had like, somebody. They shouldn't, they shouldn't even hey, have played it. Hey, like, Ray, Ray, somebody on Twitter was like, yo. The, the, the tribute could have been better. I'm like, who cares about a tribute could have been better? Nobody was there. Like, what are you, what are you sweating, bro? Exactly. <laughs> Yo, they gonna play a tribute during the timeout with no fans. Hey, yo, trash, bro. This, 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 this is horrible. That's like the Capitals playing a Barry Trot uh, tribute video with no hockey fans. I mean, it, hockey is hard enough to watch for certain people, but then you're gonna then then you're gonna have a tribute video where everybody's watching at home and not even in person. Like it, it's just it's ridiculous. I feel like they they botched that one. Like, Tommy Shepard has botched the entire John Wall situation, and maybe even Ted, because I hear Ted is the one that pretty much drove John Wall out of town after that that, that blood video, yeah. that's what you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, that blood video, But yeah. mm-hmm. I, I feel as though, honestly, you know, I'm a John Wall fan. I like Russ, too. You know, I'm going to keep putting that out there. But the, the tribute video could have waited, bro. I'm sorry. I agree. To a, a better time. We're good, Will. You about to say? Ray, you did, you, you, Ray, you, did, you, you mentioned something that I did, I did want to bring up for a discussion amongst us. Go ahead. Um, okay. John Wall, prior to the game, he did a, uh, you know, an interview, I believe, mm-hmm. with the Athletic, and he stated yep. that he believed that that um, that video of him at that party, you know, throwing up gang signs. I'm not going to say which gang it was related to, um, was the tipping point which made, you know, what he feels in his mind that mm-hmm. management decided that they were done with him. They excommunicated him. He was, they were done with him at that point. Um, so that's kind of contrary to what we had been hearing in the media or in the press where it was, you know, there was a there was beef between 
Bradley Bill and John Wall, mm-hmm. um, and you know that they, they, you know, the the team decided to side with Bradley Bill opposed to John Wall. So I just wanted to know what do you what do you guys think in retrospect? You know, taking into consideration, you know, what John Wall meant to this organization, what he's meant to this community, his play on the court. Do you think that you know that? And I, I believe we covered this before, but do you think that video should have been a tipping point for him to be uh, traded and, you know, traded to Houston? I, I could see this real quick because mm-hmm. being behind the scenes with the Wizards and covering the Wizards and the media, there were rumblings that the biggest issue with Troy Weaver not being hired here as the general manager is because of his ties to Curtis Malone and DCSO. Because Ted to put it in, I guess, the, the cleanest version I can put it in for the show is Ted does not want anything hood associated with his organization. And I definitely feel like that video was a tipping point just based on what I've heard about the way Ted conducts his business. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been hearing that. I, I think it would be quite foolish um, if, this is, if this is the truth. And it's starting to sound like it's the truth. Because to what Will stated in terms of John Wall's accomplishments and on and on and off the floor for this for the for DC and the Washington Wizards, what he's done to the community, what he's done for the community, and what he's done for the team, and for that to be the tipping point to, for him not to be a Washington Wizard, regard you know regardless of so many there's so many factors on why you can you can logically say that you know why John Wall wasn't going to be part of this new team. You could say all right, you want to move towards the, the Bradley Bill you know, era of the Washington Wizards or, um, you know, the injury, you know, those are basketball items. Those are things that help you in terms of basketball wise and on the floor that you can say, all right, we're going this direction. But if it's something as, 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 as minor as the picture, um, especially when you play, when you, you own a hockey team where a dude, that, and I love o- Ovi that's, you know, was arrested for speeding and reckless speeding and reckless driving and th- things of that sort. And we're not looking at him as a, in a certain way, um, but we're looking at John Wall in a certain way because of pictures or whatnot. So it's interesting um, if that's the case. That's why I'm hoping that it's not the case. I just think that would be ridiculous in terms of if you're trying to run a basketball program. Good point. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's 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 my opinion about that whole that whole situation. But uh, on, real quick before we go to break, uh, on Facebook uh, about John Wall, George uh, posted, "What's up, George?" He posted, "No, he deserves to come back to a rousing ovation from the fans. That's that he surely wouldn't would have gotten. Yeah, definitely. John Wall would have got a lot of love from the fans. Um, John Wall is a very popular player. Um, again, like like Ray said." After that tribute, that's that's stupid. Have it when fans are around. Now well, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I, I know we're coming up on time, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just didn't want to make one more point. Sure, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you come back and you don't put anything up there, kind of, you know, as yeah. a remembrance of his time and his, you know, everything he's given to the community, his team, then you're looked up, you're looked on as a classless organization. But as we saw with, you know, um, even Saturday with KD going back to uh, Golden State, you know, there were no fans there. They still played the tribute. KD, you know, no, didn't even pay attention to it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it, it's one of those things. It, no, I mean, seriously, yeah. it, it's damned if you do, right, damned though. if you don't. And, and I think that they, they kind of erred on the side of let's be safe. Um, give him some type of tribute. But we also know that 
when fans come in, we need to do a look. We need to do. We need to do more. Yeah, to that's, that's what I'm and, hoping. Um, his contribution to the city and the organization. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping when he comes back after ne- next season, when he comes back, like this. This, this was just a pre- preliminary uh, tribute. We just hope. Let's just hope they do. They do more for the next one, the real one. That's what I'm hoping for. But uh. Our DMV Baller segment is back. We'll air our interview with former Montrose Christian sharpshooter Tyler Hubbard after the break. You're listening to the Herb of Sports thing. The ages. Call him I know. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Wole, Will T, and Ray Jeezy. So we recorded this interview with Tyler Hubbard earlier. I want you to enjoy it. The individual that I had the pleasure of introducing was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and later moved to Prince George's County, where in his younger days, he played his hoops with Kettering Largo Mitchellville. So, Wole, you already know he learned how to shoot free throws early because the refs are Kettering, bro. <laughs> we already know what it was. But anyway, <laughs> our, our guest would later take his basketball talents to Montrose Christian School, where he would play varsity in each of his four years and was elevated to team captain in his senior season. In 2011, he led all players in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area and three-pointers made while leading Montrose to finish number two in the Power 8 Fab 50 National Basketball Rankings and capped off his senior season with an invite to play in the Capitol Classic. Our guest basketball journey would land him close to home at Loyola University, Maryland, where in 2012 he helped his team earn a dance to the NCAA tournament. In his senior year at Loyola, he again earned the title of team captain and finished his career ranked third in program history in three-pointers made. For me, he ranks as one of the top three shooters I've ever seen in high school basketball, and today he trains and develops athletes at Hoop Fit Elite, which he started, after his stellar playing career. Welcome to the urban sports scene, Mr. Tyler Hubbard. What's going on? Thanks for having me. All right, so this DMV Baller series, it began following the release of Kevin Durant's documentary, Basketball County. And we've asked all our guests, did they see the documentary? I'm asked the same of you. Did you see the documentary? What were your thoughts on it? Um, I did see the documentary. Um, I, thought, I thought it was well put together. Uh, the content was great. Um, how they highlighted uh, GoGo as far as our area. Um, I thought the documentary probably could have been put together in, in you know series as far as you know episodes. But as far as the content goes, I mean, the content was excellent. Absolutely, and we know that you played against a lot of big names in this area. What are some guys that you played with that you felt like or played against that maybe could have been mentioned in the documentary or who were mentioned in the documentary, such as Quinn Cook? And I, I'm, I'm assuming and I'm guessing just based on what I heard that there's going to be additional parts of this series coming out in years to come. What would you like to see added into the, into the documentary moving forward? 
Um, the documentary documentary could have added a, a few more players, um, of course, um, but it was only a you know an hour slot, so they couldn't mm-hmm. add everybody you know in the documentary. But um, I mean, Ronnie Magruder, who you know, he he could have been added uh, in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, Tywan Lawson, you know, could have been added in the documentary. Uh, just a few few other other people, you know, Kendall Marshall, uh, who came mm-hmm. out of you know O'Connell, another you know McDonald's All American. Just just a few different names that could have been added, but like I said, it was only an hour, you know, series. So if they do break it down into different episodes or series, um, I believe they're going to add, you know, more content as far as you know, highlighting different players, you know, different high school, um, you know, teams around the area. Now I mentioned when I introduced you, you, you played with with Kettera Largo, and talk about that squad and and who played on that team with you. Because it sounds like just going back to even your younger playing days that you played around a lot of, of talented guys that were going to motivate you and help you become a better player. So I was, you know, going, you know, commuting from D.C. to P.G., playing, you know, run and shoot when that was called run and shoot, uh, mm-hmm. just playing pickup. And my dad always had me around AAU at a young age. So I played for Kettering as well for Boys and Girls Club. And on the, actually on that team, we had Quinn Cook, uh, Byron Island, mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant and Jerry and Grant. So, I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> just to name a few people, I mean, at a young age, we were already, you know, you know, one of those tight, tight, tight knit, you know, as we got older, we always just stayed around, you know, we always, granted, we went to different high schools and, you know, played on different AAU programs, but we still mm-hmm. always, you know, had that, that bond and that relationship. So you played for DC Assault, right? Didn't Quinn play for DC Assault too, or you played on a different team? Yeah, so me and Quinn played on our D.C. Assault team. And in the 17 okay. and under um, year, I played on the D.C. Assault Blue, and um, he was on the okay. D.C. Assault Gold team. Absolutely. So let's, let's go right into your high school career. As I mentioned when I introduced you, I remember your Montrose team. Y'all had an amazing starting five. I, I be getting it wrong. But you had Tyrone Johnson, right? I, I guess that was your senior year Tyrone played with y'all? Um, yeah, so Ty, Tyrone, he transferred in um, – that senior year, and uh, you know he was a crazy impact to to our success mm-hmm. that season. So yeah, I had Carmelo Bencourt, which I believe he's still balling. Of course, maybe most notable for those who are listening to this show around the country, Justin Anderson played on that team, and y'all played a tough schedule that included Oak Hill, you know, which was led by the aforementioned Quinn Cook at the time. Do people still talk about your Montrose team today, since it was one of the great teams back then? And can you name some of the most talented players? I know you mentioned some just now, and, and, and the grandbrothers. But who else might have? Who else might you can mention that you played against or you played with that were super talented, including AAU? Right. So I still stay in contact with uh, Coach Duvetter. Um, You know, we okay. talk, you know, here and there just to check up on him, um, just reminiscing on you know the years that I was at Montrose and you know the, the mm-hmm. stories and just the special times we had at that school. Um, as far as my senior year goes, um, I mean, we, we played a tough schedule. I mean, we played mm-hmm. uh, St. Benedict's, um, Oak Hill twice, Finley Prep, Arlington Country Day, and I believe we played um, – who was the other team we played? Um, uh, Boys and Girls from New York. Okay. So we played, we played, a, we played a tough schedule. Um, we ended up going, I believe, 25-1, I believe. We lost it to a team in New Jersey at the primetime shootout. But, I mean, that year was just a special year. I mean, everybody bought in. I mean, I believe everybody on the team, maybe except for two kids, went Division One. Um, I think everybody played college basketball. 
But that year was mm-hmm. special because everybody bought in. Um, as far as talent goes, who we who we played against, who I played against, I mean, we played against some tough kids. I think my the best player I probably matched up against, just been on the same court with, was probably Brandon Jennings my freshman year. Uh, we mm. played them in North Carolina, uh, Oak Hill versus Montrose in 08. And I mean, that kid is just, he was just special. I mean, he was different. We knew from that, <laughs> from that day that he was going to be, you know, a lottery pick. <laughs> he was doing certain so, things that I haven't seen before on the basketball court. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned coach. I'm going to get to him in a minute, but I know we talked about Quinn Cook on a couple of occasions, but didn't you guys sweep Oak Hill that year, those two games, right? Yes, so we played them at West Virginia at the uh, primetime shootout, and then we played them again at Georgetown Prep in the uh, ESPN High School Invitational. Yeah, believe both, yeah, games went in, both games went into double overtime. That's crazy. I, I yeah. guess that was, was that cool for bragging rights, or y'all ain't really talk trash, y'all was that tight? <laughs> we did, because, I mean, I've been knowing Quinn since he was, you know, like seven. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's always been a winner at every level. I mean, AAU – you know, middle school, high school, I mean, college, he has a ring, and then in NBA, he has a ring. And, you, know, I, you know, we had a little bragging rights. I told him, I said, I stopped that high school, <laughs> that high school national championship <laughs> ring. You know, you got one at every uh, level but high school, so. Oh, okay. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I feel you. So, with that being said, who would you have considered your biggest rival in high school, as a team or individually? As a team, probably definitely Oak Hill. I mean, Oak Hill has that okay. tradition. You know, they're always, you know, top five in the country, top ten in the country. Um, they're well coached by, you know, Steve Smith, who's, who's been there for years. Um, and that tradition is always, you know, from that game on 06 with KD and, uh, and his mob when they beat Oak Hill at Coolidge. You know, that, that tradition just kept going on. You know, I think that was one of the best, you know, if not the best high school basketball game um, that's ever been played. You know, I mean, the talent that was mm-hmm. in that game from, you know, Mike Beasley, to uh, yeah. Taiwan Lawson, to Kevin Durant, to Adrian Bowie, to Gravis Vasquez, you know, mm-hmm. to Isaiah Arnwood, to Rel Vince. I mean, those kids, I mean, it was just something special to watch. Man, you are, you are providing perfect answers, bro, because I was just getting ready to say, during your, your high school career, you played for the legendary Stu Vetter, who you mentioned already. Of course, he coached some of the guys you just talked about, Kevin Durant, Gravis Vasquez. And Montrose just didn't lose many games while he was there during his tenure. So expand a little bit about that experience playing for such a legendary high school coach and Stu Vetter. Um, playing for Coach Vetter is, is, was definitely something special. I mean, it, it prepared me for college. Um, the way he ran his program was, was, you know, like a college program. I mean, we had mm-hmm. study hall. We had, you know, 6 a.m. workouts. We had weight sessions. We had film sessions. You know, we had to wear a suit and tie before games, you know, that stuff prepared me for the next level. So those type of practices at the next level, you know, I was ready for, you know, preparation before games. Uh, we had team meal together. I mean, we played a national schedule, so we traveled a lot. I mean, we went to Hawaii. Uh, you know, we went to, you know, West Virginia, the primetime shootout. Uh, we went to Florida for the um, that tournament out in Florida. I forgot what it was called. City of Palms, City of Palms out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we, we played a national schedule every year. So, and then around the area, those, those teams expected us to be good. So it was always a target on our back. So when we played against those, these different teams and these rivals around the area, you know, we had a target on our back. 
Yes, sir. Definitely. I remember watching you guys on, on TV, you know, which was dope because I said, man, it's a, it's a blessing for people around the country to get to see Montrose. Because outside of the DMV, you know, Damatha is the name that comes to mind when everybody thinks about high school basketball. So it was cool to see you guys get that exposure and get that recognition. And my man Wole just jumped into the conversation. He's here now. Wole, this is Tyler. Tyler, Wole. We want to know what was your recruitment process like because, you know, when I reached out to you, you emphasized you wanted to, to share how challenging it was to make it to the D1 level. So talk about your recruitment process to Loyola. Were there any other schools in the mix? And what ultimately led to your decision to play at Loyola? So playing at Loyola was uh, – I wanted to go there from, you know, when I first entered at Montrose, my eighth grade year. Um, Damian Jennifer was one of my trainers and coaches there who currently coaches at Mount St. Joe in Baltimore. Um, and he actually attended Loyola as well. Mm. And um, he was he, he was just a big, you know, big brother to me. He was a mentor to me while I was at Montrose. And he influenced me to just, you know, to go to Loyola. But as far as recruiting goes, um, I was recruited by a lot of schools. Um, mm-hmm. My recruitment actually, you know, expanded as my senior year progressed. I mean, I started getting, you know, Different schools coming in the mix um, as far as, you know, later down the road. But my ultimate decision to pick Loyola was just just I wanted my family to be able to see me in college. I wanted my family, my grandmother, my mom, my dad, my cousin, my brother to be able to come watch me at home games. And then also, too, with Loyola being in the same league as American and Navy, they were able to see two away games as well. Mm. Nice. Right. So, Tyler, this is Wole. So, did you get a lot of your homies coming to your game? Other than your family, did a lot of your homies come to the game? Oh yes. I mean, I used to take a lot of my <laughs> my, my tickets from a lot of my teammates because I had about you know fifteen or sixteen people coming to each home game. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was definitely convenient. It was. I, I don't regret the decision. Um, I had a great mm-hmm. five years there because I did redshirt my freshman year. Um, but like I tell these young kids now that I am training right now, I tell them. Just take advantage of the moment, you know, seize the moment because, you know, those five years go by quick. Mm. So you how know, much you know, – Take advantage of the opportunity. So how much – so did you like the pressure of playing in front of your folks and, or in your homies? Or did you, like, em, embrace that? Because, like, for a lot of folks, you know, they don't want to have a bad game or whatever. A, 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 TV or, you know, play in front of a, a you know, 15,000, 20,000 uh, crowd because I was prepared – you know, coming from Montrose Christian, you know, we always played in front of a big crowd because everybody, you know, around the country wanted to see Montrose Christian. So I think that that prepared me in itself just, you know, to be able to take on those type of, you know, moments. So what was it like playing in the NCAA tournament? I mean, that that experience was, you know, is bar none. I mean, that you get to the hotel, you know, there's banners everywhere. You know, you get the police escort. Um, it's just, you know, something mm. special to just, you know, be a part of. Um, you know, the lights are bright. I mean, when they say the lights are bright, the lights are bright there. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's just a, it's a, it's an experience, you know, being coming from a mid major, you know, it's harder to get to, you know, the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. versus these power six schools like a Duke, Kentucky, mm. you know, you got to actually work twice as harder because you got mm-hmm. to win not just, you know, your regular season tournament, but you have to win, you know, your conference tournament as well. Yep. So, it's, so it's, I want to ask you real quick. I'm I'm deviating a little bit, but how do you feel about this season's NCAA tournament? Just based on all that's going on with the pandemic, is it the same feeling for you right now, or 
you you just feel like it's not it's not the same because of of just canceling with the cancel games and with teams just not looking as good in the power six that you just mentioned too, or what you just mentioned actually. Right. Um, I think with the pandemic, it's definitely gave, you know, coaches and players, mm-hmm. you know, a different type of challenge as far as, you know, being prepared for games, um, having a quarantine, you know, if, if one mm-hmm. of the players or one of the staff members, you know, gets sick or, you know, gets, you know, around COVID. Um, I think this year's tournament is going to be different. You know, with mm. everything going on in the world, um, it's just harder to prepare for games. You know, it's harder to prepare for games. Um, it's hard to actually, you know, get a, get a, you know, a rhythm for games for players because, you know, you don't even know sometimes who you're playing against because last minute they might have to quarantine. You know, it's just whole, it's mm-hmm. the same situation with the whole KD thing. He was on the court and then they took him out. <laughs> so it's just hard this year. You know, it's different circumstances. Um, I am happy to see that. The NCAA did grant all everybody another year, which is fair. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was huge because I feel like this year was definitely a wash. I mean, I am happy to see the kids, you know, um, getting a chance to play and compete because you know that's that's huge. I mean, that's what these kids, you know, work all their life for is to be able to you know play at the next week. Um, and the rhythm they're not able to you know consistently get because of the pandemic. That's true. That's true. So I actually had a question about you said you talked about mid majors and how you had to work that mid majors have to work harder just to get into the tournament, get into the dance. But also, when you say that for mid majors, the tournament is where for an individual if he wants to make it to the next level and they maybe not be getting the looks like other schools. Like a the tournament is essential to have, right? Oh, for sure. Because I mean, planning the NCAA tournament that's that's the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. That's, it doesn't get any bigger than that. So, I mean, if you're like, you know, like a UNBC, how they knocked off, you know, the number one seed UVA, that was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. now they're, they're, their notoriety is, is nationwide now. I mean, because they, they were able to, to accomplish something that's never happened before in college basketball. Um, and I do tip my hat off to UNBC. Granted, I'm 3-0 and against them. But, <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. <laughs> they, they, have, they haven't beat me yet. So, um, but they are well coached. Um, they have a great program over there. Um, they are under armor. Now, I would say, and maybe, you know, I'm wrong. Maybe other people have different opinions, but I think the mid major and high major level, as far as, you know, these kids coming from, you know, high school to college, the only difference is just size. I mean, just don't have the size mm-hmm. of these high major kids, you know, a, a two yeah. guard at, you know, Loyola or, or Bucknell, um, will probably be like six, two. Mm-hmm. Versus a two guard at Kentucky or Duke is probably six five six six. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that you know the skill level is you know a big gap. It's just that you know the height, you know the size, mm-hmm. you know that that level of a high major is that size is a, is a big big difference. Definitely. So so as you as as mentioned, you finished your college career as one of the best shooters in school history. Uh, did you have opportunities to play at the at the pro level, and what aided your decision to start Who Fit Elite? So I actually did um, sign a professional contract in Morocco. And I went over there for about seven days. And I just didn't like the experience, you know. I mean, I didn't like the experience as far as, you know, you know where my team, my teammates weren't, weren't there yet. Um, I was the only American on the, on the organization. And um, I feel like my agent really wasn't, you know, he didn't put me in spots for me to be successful. So I ended up coming back. And, um, you know, I found, you know, my highlights and, you know, just 
you know, giving advice of, for these young kids on what it takes, you know, to play at the highest level, whether whatever level these kids could be at. But I want them to be, have the opportunity to play at the highest level. Absolutely. So that obviously sheds some, some light on why you started your own business. So how are things now currently um, considering the restrictions and just what we're facing ongoing with the pandemic? So right now, um, my sessions are limited to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. no no more than 10 um, for group. And I do do individual as well. Uh, but all my kids have to wear, you know, we check temperatures. Um, we constant, constantly sanitize throughout the workout. And um, all my kids have to wear masks during the workout, which is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it just keeps, you know, my kids safe and as well as, you know, keeps me safe as well. Absolutely. Well, thank God that you're still able to work and continue to train and continue to develop these guys. I want to ask real quick, um, how do you keep these young guys motivated and encouraged? Because a lot of high school basketball around here has been shut down. I was reading online um, just some D.C. high school basketball players, how, how discouraged they are because they did not get a chance to play this season. How do you keep a kid encouraged and motivated to continue on pursuing their dream and trying to play the next level? Seeming, seemingly so that the you know the opportunities are have been limited lately. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as most of these kids, um, the private school kids are actually you know they're able mm-hmm. to get a small season. You know, I mean, most of the games are going on at St. James and um, the district, yep. Virginia. Um, so they've been playing some games out there, but for my public school kids, um, they they haven't had you know that that opportunity, which you know is unfortunate. But I just tell my kids, you know, just just stay the course, you know, continue to yeah. work on your craft. You know, it's always going to be, you know, roadblocks, you know, as your journey progresses, whether it's basketball or in, even in life in general. So this, this is your time, you know, just to reflect on, you know, what's important for you, you know, what means the most to you, and just keep working. I mean, we're not going to be in this pandemic forever, you know. Right. Life is definitely not going to be the same, but – we're not going to be in this pandemic forever. Forever. So once things, nope. you know, get back to semi-normal, um, you want to be ready. You know, you don't want to be out of shape. You don't, you know, you don't want to be rusty. You just, you just want to keep working on your game. You know, keep getting in the gym, keep getting stronger. You know, and just keep keep maturing as a basketball player. You have any young guys you want to shout out right now that may have a bright future that we may re- that we may see or recognize in the future. Uh, on a, on a high school, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying high, on a college level or or the NBA level or the pro level, I should say. Uh, yeah, definitely shout out my my hounds. You know, my hounds they, they're having a rough season right now. Um, just you know, with everything with COVID going on, they can't really get you know a nice little groove going. But shout out my Loyola hounds out there. Tavares Hardy's doing <laughs> doing a good thing out there with them. Um, and just shout out you know all my guys that's in the league, you know, and overseas, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of them, so I don't want to name all of them because I don't want to miss one. But it's a bunch okay. of guys over, you know, in the league or overseas, you know, getting it done. You know, that overseas life is definitely tough, especially when you're away from your family for months. You know, it's a lot of alone time out there. So definitely shout out those guys. Continue to keep them safe over there. Um, you know, continue to keep them prayed up. And mm-hmm. you know, as this, as this, you know, these days go by. Hopefully we can get back to some type of normalcy. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. I was talking about though, like any guys that are like high school right now that you think are going to go on and do big things um, that that you're oh. training or that you just know. Uh, my bad. 
No, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. I got Ryan Sable. Uh, he's a sophomore, actually, uh, over at Gonzaga right now. Um, kid has a lot of potential. Um, mm -hmm. I think the ceiling is very high for him. Uh, big guard, about 6'2". Um, can shoot it. Uh, probably, I think, one of the best shooters in his class. Um, and uh, the kid, uh, Zane, over at Bullis. Mm -hmm. he, he's he's a sophomore as well. Um, very crafty. Uh, I believe he plays AAU for New World, and uh, Ryan plays the AAU for Prospect U, seventeen and under. Sweet, sweet, sweet. So, before we let you get out of here, uh, is there anything else you like to share with our listeners, including your thoughts on the Wizards? Because I've seen you on social media a little bit, and it looks like you know you have some opinions on what's going on right now in Washington when it comes to the NBA. Or just, right. you know, you want to share your social media handles and how folks can follow you and keep up with what you got going on. Right. Um, I think the Wizards, uh, you know, right now, I mean, they got a free Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill's over there, you know. I mean, he, he, he's getting to it. You know, if he's not an all-star this year, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on. But um, I, think, I think they made a mistake for trading John Wall. Um, you know, John Wall was, they thought, oh, you know, after the injury that he wasn't, you're not going to be himself, but I mean, I mean, he's he, clearly he's he's doing what he's doing <laughs> in Houston, <laughs> and I think that was a big mistake just for the organization. Um, I'm not really a fan of Russell Westbrook. I respect his game, but I'm not a fan of him. Um, okay. But you know, hopefully, you know, it's a long season. Hopefully, they can try to you know get, right. get turn turn it around. Um, you know, after All Star break. Awesome. So yeah, social media, Twitter. Instagram. Yeah, so my I have two Instagrams. My my training Instagram is Hoopfit Skills Training. Um at Hoopfit Skills Training. Um and then my personal is Tough Shot Twenty Three. T U F F Shot Twenty Three. Um my Twitter is Tough Shot Twenty Three. T U F F Shot Twenty Three. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, and you know, Appreciate hopefully we can do this again. Maybe we can talk to the NBA. You know, we we are fans on this show, of Russell mm -hmm. Westbrook. We love John Wall as well, and like you said, hopefully they can turn it around. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're gonna trade Brad or not. It'll be interesting to see, but you know he's gonna be all star. We already see he yeah, leads. he can vote, so it's coming. It's yeah. coming this year, bro. But like right. I said, thanks Definitely. again for for coming on, brother. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, that was a great interview. Tyler, man, Tyler Hubbard, man, appreciate him for being on. Again, man, he's a he's a DMV sharpshooter, so check him out. You know what I'm saying? Just follow him on Twitter, follow him on IG. I want to thank you all for listening and tuning into the interview, tuning into the show. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, tune in iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And make sure you check up, check out Sports Journey at SportsJourney.com for all of your DMV sports content. Again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene for ages. Yeah, dig deuces. A mega, you know what to do, bruh. It is out, big homie.